the Torah portion is called Chaye Sarah, and it means Sarah lived. And we see, as, as was read, we see the term Sarah lived twice in the first verse of, of this Torah portion. And the rabbis have gotten into that and said, why does it have to say Sarah lived, Chaye Sarah, twice? And what they came up with was that, well, one of them pertains to her, current, her life on earth and the other pertains to an eternal life, just showing that every, we all have, when we believe, uh, a life here on earth and we also have an e- eternal life. But I want to just go a little deeper into that as far as a life that goes on beyond us. And this concept is such a holy concept. It's such a spiritual concept. It's such a kingdom concept uh, Susie will share this story a lot when she's ministering, when she's speaking about her mom and some of the challenges that she had growing up. Susie lost her mom when she was in her 20s, and her mom was really her best friend and her rock and really a, a foundational um, place of comfort in her life. And then her mom died of cancer way too young, and um, it was very traumatic for Susie. This is be- just before I met her, actually. And... Susie, can I share all the details? Because Susie has shared it here before. She became suicidal. And she had a plan and all everything at that point. She just, the sadness and the grief was just too much for her. And then she was asking God for a sign, like, just give me some sort of sign that any good can come out of uh, the loss of my mother. And this woman, I think that you said you work with, uh, gave her a letter, gave Susie a letter, wrote a letter to her, came in the mail. And the letter said that her mother lives on through her. And I don't know if anybody's ever been in a, in a moment of grief or a time of grief or a time of despair when, you know, and you're asking the Lord for something and the smallest little thing can happen. You could almost think about it and think like, you know what, that really wasn't terribly meaningful. But at the moment, it was Everything. It could be a touch, it could be somebody, it could be a stranger that prays over you, or it could be something that happens in your life, something very, very small. Seed is imparted, divinity is imparted, and the Lord uses something. So this person, this coworker that I don't even think Susie had much of a relationship with, imparted into Susie something that was meaningful to her so much so that it could have very well, could have saved her life. And we all have that. We all have that for others. We all have something of the Lord to impart. And in a way, it says, Chaye Sarah, Sarah lives. So the rabbis are like, okay, Sarah lived on earth. She's going to live in heaven. But you know what? There is another way that a legacy gets passed. And that's what we leave behind to others. And there is a holy kingdom concept of passing a little bit, not of just of ourselves, but divinity from us, God within us, passing it to others that lives on beyond us. So in this Torah portion, uh, we see not only we, it does it start with like Sarah and as Sarah died, but we also see the death of Abraham in this, in this Torah portion. So if we go to the first slide that I have here, it's, it starts off by saying, now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Now, Abraham was a blessed guy. I think we can all agree that he led a life of faith. He became known as the father of faith. There's very, very special, his connection to the Lord. 
He heard the voice of the Lord. He answered the voice of the Lord. He had the faith when the Lord said, I'm going to send you off somewhere to find a new land. I'm not telling you where it's going to be. Just go. Tough calling, but that's what he did. And he went. He had the faith to bring up his son Isaac onto a mountain to be sacrificed. And it was not Isaac's time to be sacrificed. It wound up being a foreshadow of the Lamb of God to come in the future. But he had the faith to do that. He, was, he, had, he had amazing faith. He wasn't perfect, but he had great, great faith. He's known in Judaism for his hospitality, how he brought the angels in so quickly to his home. Uh, so he was an amazing man of God. But all of the good things that Abraham did, the amazing things that Abraham did, there's one thing he did at the end of his life. If we go to the next slide... He tells his servant, the servant's name was Eliezer, and he tells his servant to go to my country, to my kindred, kindred, and take a wife from my son Isaac. Because it wasn't always about, Abraham was a great guy, an amazing man of faith, but there's something else that needed to happen. It needed to continue. It couldn't have ended just with Abraham. It needed to go beyond him. In fact, Abraham had an interesting calling, and we know that the promises to Abraham were amazing. So give me some of the promises to Abraham. What were some of the promises? Father of many, many nations, right? His descendants would be across the earth. Is there anything else? This descendants, the descendants would be the sand of the sea. His descendants will take the land. I have a couple of the promises here. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your seed, to your seed, Descendants, seed, I give this land. So who really was the promise made to? Was it made to Abraham or was it made to his descendants, his seed, who he never even met yet? Go into another one. I will make, not you, well, yeah, you, but not you. I will make your seed, you can continue, as plentiful as the dust of the earth. If anyone can count the dust of the earth, then your seed can also be counted. The next one, great promises. I will greatly bless you, okay, and I will greatly multiply who? Your seed, as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And the last one I have, your seed shall possess the gate of your... Imagine, see, in this culture, in Christian culture, let's say, there's a lot of, what is God going to do for me? God's got a purpose for you. And I, you know what? I agree with that. I actually agree with it. You know, some of the... Uh, some of the uh, mega church pastors, they get a bad rap for being very focused on self like what's God going to do he's got a plan for you he's going to work mightily through you he's going to do great things for you and people may hate you but God's going to protect you you know and it's it's all I I agree with all that I agree with all that in principle but imagine you getting a calling on your life an amazing calling from God promise from God but it ain't going to be fulfilled through you it's going to be your kids or your grandkids. Imagine if all the amazing promises that God told you about you really wasn't going to be fulfilled by you, but was going to be filled by somebody else. Now you may be like, huh? That doesn't sound like a good promise. But I want to tell you something, that this is kingdom mindset. There's something very holy and very kingdom about the fact that it's not just about you, that there's something to pass on to somebody else that's going to go and take maybe something that you started. You know, King David knew this. You know, King David was the one that was 
you know, walking around Jerusalem, checking out his big home, you know, with the panels, the wood and the cedar and all that kind of stuff, you know, and he would, he would check out the home. He's like, man, I got a pretty nice home. And then all of a sudden he would catch a vision for this little tent that God was living in. And I kind of envision him going, like, looking at his house and looking at the tent and looking at the house and looking at the tent and, like, scratching his head, like, something is not right here. Something is off. Something is not, is, is not correct here. And he had this vision. David had a vision. He's like, I, I want to build God a temple. It's not right that he's in this tent. And I live in a house of cedar. I want God to, the one that owns all the cattle, the one that has the earth as his footstool, I want him to have a house. He had this vision for this temple. But then the prophet had to come to him and say, your vision is good. But guess what? It ain't going to be you that's going to fulfill it. It's going to be your son. And I want to tell you that that is a holy concept. And, you know, I may be only 55 or 54 and a half, but I still think of that. Like, what's going to be left behind? And that is a concept that is important to God because God is eternal. God is, as was shared by Stephanie, yesterday, today, and forever. Who was, who is, who is to come. And he's got it all in front of him right now. It's like right in front of him, like a table. Yesterday, today, tomorrow is all in front of him. And God is above time. He's actually above time. Like he can be with Abraham. At the same time, he's with us today. At the same time, something in the future. Like this guy's above time. He's above time. And because of that, he's got time on his mind. And he doesn't just have our own life, but really what comes after. Even Yeshua said, Truly I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. And greater works he will do because I am going to the Father. Even the Messiah, Mashiach himself, had this vision to say, I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to hand this baton to you. And you go take this thing and run with it and transform the world and change the world across generations. This is a kingdom concept. And it's a humbling concept to know that it ain't all about you. It ain't all about what you're going to do. There might be something that you're building that somebody else is going to take it to a whole new level. You know, I have such respect for Pastor David Marquard. Hey, the music stopped. I, have, I think. Hey, it's, I have such respect for Pastor David Marquard. Do you know why? But that Pastor David is the, was the pastor of Praise Tabernacle North, which now is Mishkan David, right, this facility. I can't tell, during the time of our transition, I can't tell you how many times he told me, man, I want you to take this thing and I want, I want you to blow up what I did. You know, if this was what I did, I want yours to be like this. You know, I want you to take what I did and I just pray that God does something amazing, super, far, far better than I ever took it. Now there's one, ch and, I, and I appreciate that, number one, because he's an amazing man of God. And number two, it is a kingdom concept to want that. And I got to tell you, I know pastors personally, personally, who did the same thing as Pastor David Marquardt did and retired and went before their congregation and essentially said, listen, guys and gals, I am retiring. So uh, sayonara. See you later. I'll see you later. I'm eating a potato. And uh, 23 skidoo, I'm out. 
Oh, and by the way, there's a church over there, a church over there, a church over there. You know, go find your place. I'm going to the, I'm going to the golf course. See you. Nice to know you. But Pastor David didn't want to do that because he knew the kingdom concept of a handoff. He knew the kingdom concept of, you know, I started something, but it doesn't mean it's got to end with me. It's not about me. It's about God. And when it's about God, I can take myself out of the equation and, and, and just leave this to God and say, God, you have greater plans, greater things you will do, even if it's got nothing to do with me. Rabbi Peter did the same thing with me. He said, just take it and go. Take it, take it, take it. You don't, don't emulate me. Just do, you do, Rabbi, you. That was a lesson I had to learn with Rabbi Peter because in my first couple of years of being the rabbi, I was emulating him. You know, I walked around barefoot and, you know, like he did, you know. But he imparted a lot into me. If you see me jumping around, that came from him. You see this little sweat right here? That's from him. Even Moses, Moses was a very humble man. He's the most, he says he was the most humble man to ever live, and he wrote that. Talk about humility. So he was the most humble man. He was an amazing man of God, amazing rabbi. Even the Jews today call him Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. Just incredible man of God. Moses did amazing things. He saw God face to face. But I love how the book of Joshua starts. It says that Moses, my servant, is dead. That sounds pretty harsh, right? What a way to start a book. Moses, my servant, is dead. So arise, Cross this Jordan, you and this people, to the land. Do you understand the concept here? Moses had his calling. Moses had his mission. It was done. The baton was handed off to Joshua. Don't emulate Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Go and take that land. And sometimes we are the recipient of that. Go and take the land. But I want to humbly tell you that each and every one of us has the opportunity to be that person to say, you go and take that land. This is why it's such a, a passion for Susie and me to really invest as much as we can into the children here at Mishkan. You know, go and take that land. It's a kingdom concept. So there's this character. So as Steffi said, you know, there were good kings and bad kings. Just like there's good presidents and bad presidents. Nothing new under the sun. So, you know, Israel had a really good king, and then, uh, you know, his, you know this, this, this good king's son was a, was, a, was a jerk. And then, like, bad things would happen, but then his son happened to be good, you know, and then another bad king would come. This, is, this was the life of Israel, and I guess maybe it's the life of every country. But um, so this is one king, and he was actually a good king. And his name was Hezekiah. Now, the story behind this is that Hezekiah got deathly ill, and he was going to die. And he just prayed to the Lord to extend his life. And then Isaiah, the prophet, came over to Hezekiah and said, your prayers are unheard. Your, your, your life is being extended. And he was totally healed. He was totally healed. And then in his time of being healed, you know, he got some visitors from Babylon. Hey, it's a nice house. You want to show me around? You want to give me a little tour of the place? So Hezekiah brought in these Babylonian officials and said, yeah, come on, come on into the house of God. Look at all this jewelry. Look at all this gold. Look at this awesome ark. 
I mean, look at all these things that are in here. And Babylon was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and that's really what was the impetus of Babylon eventually coming in and ransacking Jerusalem. And Isaiah told him that. And he said, your sons are going to experience um, exile because of this. Babylon is going to come in. They're going to exile. They're going to ransack Jerusalem. They're going to kill a lot of people. And it's going to be a terrible experience for your ancestors, for your sons. Not ancestors, I'm sorry. Sons, your descendants. It's going to be a terrible experience for them. And Hezekiah's answer was, oh, the word is good. Well, that sounds good. I mean, this was a good king, right? He was very righteous. But when he heard that it was going to happen, not in his days, but in the days after, the days of his sons, he was like, okay, that's not so bad. That is not a good attitude. We're supposed to want the next generation to go farther than us. And I believe that that's the heart of God, for the next generation to go farther, to go deeper, to see things, to do things, to know things more than we. Go take this thing and take the land, children of God. So it says, let's run the, with endurance the race set before us. It says in the book of Hebrews, let's run the race. Run the race with endurance. Now, I understand that, but when we think about this, there's a couple of things. Normally, I, I don't particularly care for the word race because normally when you're racing, you're racing somebody else. So normally if there is a running race or something like that, you're normally racing somebody else. But do you know that our race that we run has nothing to do with other people? It's got nothing to do with other people. It's got nothing to do with who comes first. You all come in first or you all come in last and Yeshua comes in first. However you, want to, however you want to view this. But it's not a race against people. Your race is your race. It's what God has for you. But I want to set the tone here because I really believe that the race that we're all running, in a way, every one of us, is a relay race. It's a relay race. At some point, we have to hand this thing off to somebody who says, go run. And that's a good thing. And it's a humbling thing to know that it's not all about you. It's about what you're leaving and what somebody else is doing with that. You know, I had a vision once, and I don't know if this was a vision like in my own mind. I don't know if it was prophecy or bad pizza. <laughs> but I'm going to share. So... You know, we know that it's very, very common. You know, we know that this, this, the scripture that says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Now, this scripture comes from the parable of the talents. Do we know what that is? The parable of the talents. So somebody had five talents, somebody had two talents, somebody had one talent, and then the person that had five talents, you know, had got five more, and the person that got two got two more, and then the person that had one didn't do anything with it, but held it, you know, but, but buried it. And then, you know, the, the, the master of the house came back and said, oh, you, you turned my five into ten. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And the person that had two turned into the four. Well done, good and faithful servant. And the person that had one didn't do anything with it, but hit it, and then he got in trouble. Got it? Did you hear any of that? So anyway, so, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. But I, I think that scripture, well done, good and faithful servant, can be a little twisted sometimes because I think that a lot of people just expect to get like this little attaboy pat on the back from God. Well done. Good and faithful. It's almost like at the end of our life, we're before, we're before God, we're before the Messiah, and we just kind of desire him to say, you did good. You did good. Good, Right? Doesn't it feel that way? Oh, I want to hear him say, well done. 
I have a hunch that if he says to any of us, well done, our answer is going to be, what did I do? I didn't do anything worth of anything. I mean, isn't this the whole concept of you can't be saved by the law, right? Like, we can't, we can't please God by our actions. All of our actions are, 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 are nothing to God. It's the work of his son that pleases him. So we have this well-done, good and faithful servant. So then I just, I just had this vision. This was a couple of years ago. And like I said, I don't know if it was prophecy or pizza. But this is what it was. Somebody was before the Lord. This is in my, in my mind. This, somebody's before the Lord. It's the end of their life. And the Lord says, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then the person said, what did I do? What did I do? What, what's well done? What in the world did I do to merit the king of the universe telling me, little me, well done? What did I do? And the Lord said, take a look. And he pointed out a garden, a flourishing, large flower garden. And if I remember it correctly, it was a lot of purple flowers. Just very lush, very vibrant, very alive, just a large mulch bed, large, large of like purple flowers. And the guy said, why are you pointing this out to me? I didn't plant that. And then the Lord, in this vision, brought back to my mind a time when I prayed for a stranger. And I remember thinking about that. And the Lord said, I said, yeah, what's the, what's the connection? And I felt the Lord say, when you prayed for that stranger, some of me came out to that person. And you can't take credit for it, but you've never saw him again, but I did. And do you know that he eventually accepted me? This is all in a vision. And he got married and had a believing family. And they got married and had believing families. So you didn't plant this garden, but you planted a seed when you didn't know it. And look at the results. So I kind of feel the Lord saying when we're out and about, because remember, this world is very hungry right now, starving for the word of God. And we always have these opportunities, and the Lord opens up opportunities for us to pray for somebody, to, to hug somebody. You know, I kind of feel the Lord is saying, don't forget who's doing the hugging. Don't forget who's doing the praying. You know, there's a, 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 there's a, a Hebrew reality in here that goes into the New Testament. You can go forward. So going back to Abraham, it says, in your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Now, the Hebrew word for seed, you can go forward, is Zerah. Uh, it's, so that's when you see it, or your descendants will be blessed. It actually just means seed, and it's, the Hebrew is zerah for seed. And Paul brings forth this concept in the New Testament in Galatians. He says the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He doesn't say into seeds, plural, as one would in referring to many, but as in referring to one, and to your seed, that is the Messiah. All that to say this, Paul is saying that the seed of Abraham is the Messiah, which means that when we are planting seed, if there is seed within us, and that seed is ready to go, just like in that vision, you know, I prayed for somebody. The story was actually, it was a homeless person. It was a homeless person, you know, because I was driving somewhere and I stopped. You know, you ever stop somewhere and somebody's on the side, on the corner and you're with the sign, right? I remember this one time. I, I stopped. I rolled down the window. He came in. 
I don't even remember if I gave him any money. I, I might have gave him a little biblical thing, you know, you know, silver and gold I do not have, you know. <laughs> I might have, you know, cranked out a little Bible on him or something like that. And, um, I, but I do remember saying, but just let me just pray for you. You know, like maybe I said this coin is, can give you something, but let me just pray for you. And I remember praying for him. This is true. And after we were done, the light turned green. I drove away. But I remember hearing him in the back after I drove away, and I heard him say, where can I find you? But that was the one, that was the thing that God brought into my mind, that the garden, right? That was the moment that, that he brought into mind. So if you think about that, the seed that we plant, Paul is saying here that the seed is Messiah. Which means that there's something of him. This is not just imparting a bit of ourselves. This is not something in the flesh. There is something of God, of Messiah, that we all have because we are the seed of Abraham. Whether it's physically or whether it's spiritually, we are the seed of Abraham. So we have Abraham's seed in us, and Paul says Abraham's seed is Messiah. So we have a bit of him within us to give. And I want you to remember this going out, because like I'm telling you, the world is really hungry right now. They're really hungry at that bar, and not because of what's on the menu. They're hungry because of what's on his menu. And they're hungry for it. And here you are. So I want you to remember, don't forget who's doing the... However you minister, whenever God brings these opportunities for seed planting out there, whether it's praying for somebody, whether it's evangelizing, whether it's just saying God loves you, whether it's asking somebody to accept the Lord, whether it's hugging, whether it's giving somebody a drink of water where Yeshua said you'll not lose your reward. Don't forget who's doing the giving. Don't forget who's doing the giving. And this is a kingdom mindset. So Susie and I don't have natural kids. God hasn't blessed us with natural kids. But it's got much more to do. And that's obviously the natural way to say, like, okay, I'm going to impart something to another generation. But each of us, each of us have the ability to do it all the time. I think I have one more verse. Yeah, because... Well, I have two more verses. I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I'm telling you right now, the field is ripe. I'm telling you the field is ripe. I'm telling you the field is ready to receive that divinity, that Mashiach that you have within you, that seed. Messiah is the seed within you. I'm telling you that the field is ready. You know, like there's, there's so many, some, some people may think like, oh, you know, it's close to the end times. If you look at the world, it's close to the end times, right? And I, I think... We're supposed to always know that Yeshua can come back at any time. We're supposed to always know that. Like, it can come back like a thief in the night. It can be quick. But I think we're also supposed to look at society and look at life like we got a lot of time left. Like, don't ever think, oh, it's not enough time. Now it's just time to, to, to leave or something like that. Don't think that. There's always, it was always, it's always good to say, you know what? I don't know when he's coming. There's more time. There's more seed to sow. There's more. So it's always good to remember that. And I'll close with this. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. I want you all to know, your exercise coming out of here is to know that Messiah the seed, the seed, Paul said the seed is Messiah. He lives within you. And seed can't remain just a seed. Yeshua said that. It can't remain a seed. It's got to turn into much. So don't forget who's doing the hugging, the praying, and the field is ready to receive that. 
how do we do what Abraham did in his last moments of life? He's like, you know what? The promises to my seed, I got to make sure that Isaac has a wife so this thing can continue. How can it continue with each and every one of us? It's when what, what we have in us from God is imparted to others. And we don't always see it. We don't always see the results. Like in this vision, I didn't know the garden was there until the end. We don't always see it. But look for those opportunities. They are there. The field is very, very ripe today. In Yeshua's name. Amen.